Hi there. Welcome to the Business Side of Fitness podcast. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, I leverage my two decades of experience in the fitness and wellness industry to have meaningful conversations with the movers and shakers behind some of the most well-known and innovative brands in our industry. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Sveriano, LLC. To find out more about working with me, click the link in the show notes. And now the time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story and it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Bobby Verdun, founder and president of Active Entities, where he and his team provide fitness center management solutions and business plan development for health clubs and gyms, golf and tennis clubs, hotels and resorts, residential complexes, and universities. So basically everyone, welcome to the show, Bobby. Thanks. It's so great to be here. I am thrilled to have you here because you have this really diverse background that combines fitness and sports, which most people, that's a dream come true. I definitely grew up wanting to get involved in sports, was never a good athlete (laughs) and never really took off there. So if you could just share a little bit about your background with the audience, we'll kind of get started there. Yeah, I, I was never a great athlete either. I mean, my friends call me, you know, the last of the five, seven Caucasians that played college sports. So I, I'm just really competitive and I really love competing, whatever I do. And so sports was the easiest thing to do growing up. And I started growing up in New York and had a knack for hitting a tennis ball, really loved to play basketball and played every other sport too, whether it was stickball in the street or, you know, street hockey, which then became roller hockey. And then as I got older, I was, was able to compete at some higher levels and through college, I enjoyed competing. And then I found pretty early on that there's a, there's a ceiling for, for people who don't have special gifts. And I got into the art of coaching and I really dove into it. I love the journey taking teams from where they're at and then bringing them to levels that they didn't see possible. And I was so lucky. I I coached some just great, great kids through my high school coaching career, my college coaching career. And then I loved it. And I was at a pretty high level. And 26 years ago today, I, I was married got married, today's my anniversary. And I always said to my wife, I said, you know, if we're ever lucky enough to have kids, out goes coaching because you don't really, you live coaching. I mean, there's no days off. There's no time off. It's consistently getting better and getting your teams better. So when my wife got pregnant, that was it for coaching. And I got into this type of thing, which is very similar to coaching. You know, our industry is coaching teams when you're a manager, coaching people, coaching your members and encouraging them to do more than what they think they can do. So I found a lot of um, similarities with coaching and then managing and learning about this industry and fell in love with the industry. And today I'm able to use both sides of, of my background, which is, is fun. And so how did you take or leverage your experience from coaching into managing the business side of fitness facilities? 
the the worst thing in coaching are win streaks because when your team gets on a win streak, they get comfortable. So it's all about consistently making your team comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's the same thing in a club. You know, if you have a great month in in June, come July, it starts all over again. So you have to really be, you know, every day is the most important day. You know, and, you know, my family has no experience with athletics or anything. They're all musicians. And, you know, my mom was went to Juilliard with Streisand and she produced in 2000, was involved with the Olympics in Sydney. So, you know, I learned growing up that when you get into that type of thing, every every performance is the first performance for somebody out there. Well, every day walking into a club there's, there's going to be somebody that comes in there for the first time and your team has to be on all the time. So I, I found the transition a lot smoother than I thought it would be. And I was able to utilize those skills that I worked hard to develop as a coach to becoming a coach or manager in this industry. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, just hearing you talk about how you have to always be on, and this is a continuous cycle. I mean, I'm thinking back on the days of, you know, just putting all in last ditch efforts to close out the month strong, hitting that goal or surpassing that goal, feeling like a hero for 12 hours and then starting it all over again on the first of the month. It's like you can never rest on your laurels because when you do, then that just kind of accumulates towards the end of the next month. So I can definitely see that parallel between between sports and fitness. So Bobby, just right now, there are so many interesting things happening in our industry. There are all these IPOs. There's a lot of M&A happening. Where does that leave independent fitness clubs in this matrix here? I just feel like we've gone through so much change and I, I feel like the independent fitness clubs have a big opportunity right now. Terrifically so. I think that for years, it's been an uneven playing field. And, you know, the, the, the big guys, so to speak, they just have a lot of infrastructure built in that gives them advantages, whether it's the ability to outmarket people because they could spend so much money, just they, they have in-house people that build out their facilities, whatever, whatever box you want to check, there was always an advantage there. But since what's gone on over the last 18 months, I think that the independent club owners have become more valuable than ever for their communities. Because when you walk into a facility, the first thing you think about now is how safe is that facility? Who do you trust when you walk into that facility? And if you know the owner is a local person who's got some emotional commitment to that community, it's a far different experience than walking into, you know, something that's pretty sterile and you don't know the guy who's working there. He's come all the way from Montana because that's where they said to go. And it's no disrespect on the chains whatsoever. There's a lot of chains that do a terrific job. But I do think that there's an opportunity for independent club owners right now to really create some some great impact on their communities, local communities going forward. And I've been a part of big corporations and I've been a part of independent startups as well. And I think in the, in the independently owned and operated facility, there's more community and camaraderie than in a corporate 
facility. I think that obviously, like you said, working as a part of a chain or, or being a member of a part of a chain, you, you know that they have access to a lot of resources. There are systems, there are protocols, and everybody's filling in the roles that are already set forth in the independent in the independent fitness facility there's more of a camaraderie among the members and the staff i just feel like it's easier to build community and i think that's something that's really lacking for a lot of people right now before we started recording i was talking about how i'm working from home sitting in front of a computer all day right i look forward to going to the gym and being around people that's my break now and that's that change has happened for for a lot of people i think you know i'd love to hear what you think some of the other opportunities are for the fitness industry in the post covid world yeah definitely i i remember specifically our first live symposium back in may and standing up in front of you know the group and they literally stood up and cheered because they were all around one another again it was the first the first live symposium the industry put forth and it was just amazing to see that wow did i just miss being around another human being so you're right i think the industry is at a crossroads right now i think that there's a lot of opportunity to see where the industry has failed itself and you know hopefully it can correct itself we were grouped with casinos when pandemic happened that's a statement of lacking credibility and i feel that the the only way that that's going to be bridged and improved is if we really do commit to becoming a medical modality a continuum of care for hospital cares for doctors earning their trust raising the bar Instead of just hiring personal trainers, you really do hire exercise physiologists who can come in and talk the language with doctors and physical therapists and create that continuum of care. I have a neighbor of mine that was supposed to have surgery three weeks ago, and it's been put on hold because of the rise of COVID in Massachusetts, can't get in, has to wait now till after Christmas. And this is a pretty serious surgery that he has to have, not life-threatening, but he's in some pain. Um, and, and they're talking about after the surgery, he's going to have to wait probably two or three weeks before he gets into rehab. We need to find clubs and entities that can transition that right away. So there's a lot of opportunities that I believe from a medical side, and that's really why I got into this industry to begin with, to make a difference, right? That's what we all at least say we want to do. And I think there's an opportunity for that to happen over the next couple of years if we do this the right way. How do you connect those dots between medical and fitness? I think anybody listening to this conversation right now is nodding their head like, yes, there is this big opportunity. Nobody wants to get grouped with casinos. I mean, that's almost an insult to, you know, to our, our livelihood. And so to avoid that, like, what are some action steps that you're guiding your clients towards taking? How can, how can businesses make that shift or at least move in that direction? Well, it's an investment. It's a, it's a financial investment. It's an investment in people. It's, it's really connecting with, for example, a local hospital and finding out what their greatest challenges are right now and how we can fill those holes 
you know, obviously right now with, with the advent of COVID and it, you know, they're saying when kids come home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, there could be surges. How does that impact their ability to really handle people? How can we step in? What do we need to do? We need to ask questions. What do we need to do to be that next step for these people? And that's what we're doing. We're asking these questions. We're getting answers. We're going back to the clubs that we work with and saying, look, we, we need to do a better job of this. We need to bring in air purifiers. We need to bring in certain levels of care, certain levels of professionals that can really earn the trust of doctors and caregivers. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things in the industry I love, but there's a lot of things right now with regards to leadership I'm questioning. And until our industry truly embraces, you know, it, not everything is rainbows and unicorns as some people make it out to be right now. And that's just the facts, you know? And until we are able to look in the mirror and say, we really need to get a lot better at this, and maybe we need some new leadership to do that, um, we're going to be at a standstill. So we're trying to do it on a local level with our group of clubs that we work with. We work are connected to hundreds of clubs throughout the country. And that's honestly where we're taking our group to that next level. Right. I, I, it's so funny that you said it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Cause sometimes it's like, I look at LinkedIn, I look at my, at some of the press releases that are coming out and some of the articles that are coming out before it was like the abomination of brick and mortar. And now it's like, oh, brick and mortar is amazing. Everything is wonderful. There's so much investment going into fitness, but then I know individual operators that are like, hey, Vanessa, the truth is we have not even come close to our 2019 numbers before shutdown. And so, you know, it's really interesting how there's always two sides of the coin. So a, an owner of a club in Massachusetts yesterday who was laughing at the fact that he sends in phony statistics every year for the profiles of success. And he's always on the top 50 of clubs that are listed always. And he laughs at it. And whether he decides to stay with us or not going forward, I don't know, but that's what I'm saying there. There's really, you know, anybody can throw stuff out there and say, this is great. We just had a great conference. We just had a great, this or great, this, and these people are the experts until people start saying, maybe not, maybe it isn't so great. And maybe we really need to look at what's broken here and fix it. And until that happens, you know, on a national level, we're going to be at a standstill as a, as an organization, as a, as an industry. And that's why we're just trying to stay in our lane and take what we do and, and try to earn some credibility. And I think we're doing so. Right. I think one of the fastest ways to earn credibility is to align with a brand or an industry that's already thought of as credible, right? And medical is definitely already thought of as credible for, for so many people. And so that just makes, you know, to me, that's common sense. But aside from the, the medical aspect of things, what are some other common struggles that keep coming up for operators that you work with? Because you work with such a huge range of facilities from tennis clubs to country clubs to fitness facilities. So what are some common denominators there that you're seeing? Yeah. One of the first things we decided to do when we went live with symposiums was say, with all due respect to people who speak all the time on how to grow your personal training and how to do this and how to do that. 
we said, we need to look at exactly what you're talking about. So we started to partner with people like Safety Net Access. They're one of the best people out there as far as technology in the world. These are people that, that are connected to hospitals, that are connected to hotels. And so we've brought them into the organization and already they're impacting clubs. They're saying, you know what? I don't know why you're this is wired here and this is here. We could save you a lot of money doing it this way and it's more efficient. Now your member experience is better. So we brought in people like that, Active Life, you know, and Dr. Sean, I, I, I best in the that I've ever worked with, his team as far as educating, as far as presenting so many different layers of professionalism to trainers. If you're not around this group, then you're doing yourself a disservice. So we've partnered with people like that. We brought in a, a psychologist to talk about how to handle people with depression. His room was packed. Not only, I think, to learn how to handle depression with your members, but also how to handle depression with your staff and even yourself. So what we're trying to do now is bring in new things to the industry that don't exist or haven't existed to expand our continuum of care beyond what I can do, beyond what my team can do, and let these professionals get into working with our people. I love that, Bobby, because I think that, you know, so many of us, I, I'm, I've been guilty of this. Instead of aligning with a strategic partner, I try to do more, right? Like, let, let me be everything to everybody. And all that happens is you end up spreading yourself too thin and then you don't provide the best service, right? And so by creating these strategic partnerships, you're really able to offer the best in class without having to spread yourself so thin. And then the, the people on the receiving end of things are really able to get, you know, get the results that way. I think another thing that's happening right now with so many clubs is that they're having a hard time recruiting and retaining oh. staff, right? Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to work from home. Everybody wants to have their own digital business. So what are, you know, and the fitness industry really operates and depends on frontline staff. So what are some tips that you're yeah. providing to clubs that you're working with? You know, it, it's great point. Great point. Arguably, probably the most, the greatest epidemic right now in any industry are, is finding people that are motivated and inspired to work right now. I was recently away for a couple of months on a, on a kind of a unique project, and I was able to connect with some people that are not in the fitness industry, but they're involved with, you know, one's the director of training for an NBA team, another one's a director of training for an NFL team. And I said to them, I said, you know, I've got so many clubs that are looking for great people. And the next day I had 10 names. Well, these are all guys that are looking to get into the leagues, but there's only 45 jobs in the NFL and there's only, you know, 38 jobs or whatever in the NBA. And right away, I, I was able to find three unbelievable exercise phys physiologists, place them in clubs, and they're just they're killing it. They're thriving and they love it. They love the daily interactions. They may not be working with LeBron James, but they're working with 20 people a day right now who just can't get enough of what they bring to the table. This is what we have to do. We have to look beyond the confines of what we normally do when we front desk person or we hire a front desk manager. Maybe we should call a local restaurant and get a list of concierge resumes. 
because it's a lot of similar skill sets. And that's how we've got to do this. We've got to get people excited again about working in the industry. And that's what we're finding. That's what we're trying to do now. But you're right. There's a lacking level of urgency for people to work in health clubs right now. And I think that, you know, you made a great point with, with talking to other industries. There's a lot of commonalities between fitness and hospitality, fitness and sports. There, there are others as well. But I think another thing that I see sometimes is business, as businesses, we are so invested in the customer journey and, and recruiting more members. How are we going to retain these members that we kind of put to the wayside, our staff and our teams. And I feel like it's more actually more important. And this might be a little controversial. I think it's more important to invest in your staff and your teams than your members. I think it's easier to get a new member or a new client than it is to get a really, you know, credible, wonderful team member on the staff. And so I think that leading with investing in your team, whether that's providing them ongoing education, providing them opportunities, providing, you know, resources or what have you, I feel like that's another way that we should, you know, lean into. You're so spot on. I mean, I mentioned active life. I think they are absolutely is superior to anybody I've seen out there. We have a specialist on our team, Tom Johnson, who specializes in coming into facilities or businesses because he does it beyond just the fitness industry, evaluating where each person is on the bus. And then he, through his formulas and his experience, is able to say, you know what? I think you've got an even better team here. If we put Charlie over on this seat, we put Edna over on this seat, and now let's see how it goes. That's a skill set that very few people have. He's unbelievable at it. And again, another partner of ours that I think when you work with us, you're not just working with the active entities team of consultants. You're working with our partners who are far better at what they do than I am. And that's why I think we we do a pretty good job at servicing because you have to have specialists that do that. And you're right. If you don't have a great staff an inspiring staff and a motivated staff, people are going to pick up on that culture immediately. But you made such a good point, Bobby, instead of saying, Hey, you're not doing a great job, you know, where you are right now in this role, you can reevaluate that person's role and say, Am, did I, what's my responsibility here? My responsibility is to set that person up for success. Have I put them in the right position for their goals and their skill sets? Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes they would be, instead of getting rid of that person and then having a void in your business, perhaps they would be better suited. You've already um, onboarded that person. They already understand your culture. Instead, perhaps the the opportunity there is to shift them into another role. And that makes a lot of sense. And I love that you're the kind of like the curator here. You're putting all the pieces together in the puzzle for yeah, your clients. It, it, and that's fun. I mean, to me, when I was a college coach, I, I coached, started coaching a division two school up in New Hampshire. And, you know, I was in the boondocks. I, I was in Winge, New Hampshire. The closest thing to that was 40 minutes away. We were on top of this mountain. And the only thing I could sell was if you come to us, we'll make you better. We're going to work with you. You're not going to have to worry about losing a scholarship as long as you go to school, as long as you do the right things. But from a basketball standpoint, we're going to make you better. And we got that reputation of that. And I think clubs and businesses 
can develop that as well. If I go here, I'm going to work with active life. I'm going to work with active entities. I'm going to learn how to do my job better than I could if I went somewhere else. And that to me is invaluable to any professional. How are you advising owners and operators to reevaluate their business going forward? Are they looking at different KPIs? Are they reevaluating revenue streams and possibly abandoning some of them? What are what advice are you giving to owners and operators now? Yeah, I, I mean, we were doing this before the pandemic because I think you always have to reevaluate your business after you know things run its course. You know, so one of the things that we always look at now is space, space within the club, and how it can be reallocated if necessary, how it can be repurposed on a moment's notice. So there's some great things out there now. There's there's turf that can come up in a matter of an hour, and then you have a basketball court. So you don't have to build two different spaces. You can build one space and have two things available within an hour. That's that's really an important thing right now, because if there is an op- a time where you're going to have, okay, now you got to bring back six feet or distancing or whatever it is. I hate that term because it's really the opposite of what health clubs want to do, which is undistance. But if you have distancing, you need to have the space to be able to maneuver that and be able to, you know, service your people. So that's been a big thing, I think, more than anything. As far as KPIs, you always have to have a preparation now for an emergency more than ever. We always did that, but now we have clients asking us about it. Well, how do you do this? So it's been an education process for them to come to us with great questions. So they've gotten smarter through this process, which is great to see. Get those reserves, people. <laughs> so, and and you you made such a good point, Bobby, with the multi-purpose space. You know, sometimes I've seen in fitness facilities like dead space, and mm. it's better to sublease that space into potentially a strategic partner that could add value to the members instead of just letting that space sit empty and and just kind of like there. Everyone wants to build a business to last, right? How can owners and operators build a business that can stand the test of time? Like what are some of those key components that you would advise people to set up for themselves? Great question. I think the first thing is you need to develop your core values. What do you believe in? What what is this going to be? And, And stay true to that not vie from that because they're tough times. The second thing is it needs to be versatile. It needs to be able to pivot if needed. You know, a spin room may not be a spin room three years from now. Who knows? Uh, Who knows what's going to come out there? I think you need to embrace technology, but not depend on technology. You need to keep that personal touch going at all times. At the end of the day, and, and, you know, this is just my personal opinion, I'm going to stay at a club because of the people, not because they have a treadmill, not because they have an elliptical. I'm going to stay because of people. And that's really the essence of greatness in this industry, in my opinion. And I think you need to stay true to that. And that goes back to elongating the stay of your staff instead of replacing people consistently. Make sure that those people are invested. You know, went to a Celtics game the other night. I still see people my age wearing Larry Bird shirts. You know, they feel like they're going to get thrown into the game, you know, and and I I think that those people are really emotionally committed to the Celtics or the Patriots or whoever you root for. We need to have that same commitment 
from a club standpoint from our members. They, we want them to be cheerleaders, but they've got to believe in what we bring and consistency is a part of that as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it all starts with our teams and when that, that energy is contagious, right? Like Mm. when we love being in that environment, when we love being around each other, we love our process, our brand, our mission, and we're attached to that, that I feel like the members can pick up on that. The clients pick up on that because energy is contagious, right? And, and you brought up so many good points there, Bobby. I think right now, you know, a big buzzword that's out there is innovation, innovation in the fitness industry. And so many people equate innovation with, oh, I have to have a digital offering. Should I have an app? Oh, I'm looking for some new wearable technology, right? To me, innovation is none of those things. What's innovation in the fitness industry to you? I've got a great one. So I've got a club that uh, Rich and I worked with several years ago And you walk into the club and there was this 30-foot blue wall that was right there. And every day I would go for a run and I would see a group of people walking their dogs. There's a guy had been 20 or 30 people. So I instinctively just said, why don't we do a pet contest? Why don't we have take this wall and just throw it out there? We'll have different categories. We'll have smallest pet, biggest pet. Unfortunately, people that look like their pets. We had all these categories, right? We filled that wall with over 700 pictures. We brought in over, I think it was 68 members or 70 members that we that people wanted to see the wall. They came in, saw the club. They're like, wow, this is really different. We want to join this club. That's innovation to me. That's thinking out of the box. That's the definition of innovation. It's not coming up with the latest wearable or coming up with the latest thing that you're going to do. You know, you're going to look in a mirror and all of a sudden you're going to, you know, feel great. Innovation is a human touch that adds a little bit of creativity. And to me, that was one of the greatest moments I've had in this industry. It was awesome to see that wall filled. And there were some people that looked like their pets, unfortunately. It was really, they were very unfortunate looking, but that's okay. It was great. (laughs) I think looking like my pet would be an upgrade for me. He's got gorgeous hair. You know what, Bobby, I think. You made such a good point. It's really all about connection, creating relationships, connections between people, connections between brands and people, teams and people. And it's funny, you know, the other day I, I posted something on my LinkedIn, right? And I said, hey, if you were at Ursa, what was your biggest takeaway? And I was kind of thinking... It would be, you know, oh, this new innovation coming out with this X, Y, and Z technology, or it was really cool to see this new equipment coming out. No, everybody responded. It was so great to be together. Connection, doing business in person, relationships. That is what it's all about in this industry. That's how we move forward, creating those relationships, creating those connections. And that's how, if people are People are always asking me, like, what's an act? What's a great acquisition strategy in fitness businesses? It's all about relationships. It's not about some running some special ad on Facebook that's some gimmick. It's not about running a fire sale or doing an eight week challenge. It's creating those relationships with your community and making people feel seen and heard. That's what it's all about. Without a doubt, it's it's value. You know, it's value. And, you know, I always tell this story. It, it, it brings it to the forefront. Not everything is as it seems, you know, and, and when I speak, I, I often tell the story. I had a kid when I was coaching a high school team 
And between his junior and senior year, he wanted to try out for the swim team. And usually if you don't make a team by your sophomore year, you don't make the team. But this kid, he worked hard every day and senior year tries out for the team. He makes the team came to my office and I said, Hey, congratulations, Chaz. Unbelievable. He goes, coach, I'm going to start for this team. So three weeks later, worked, 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 started for the team with about I think a week left in the season, he had one home meet left. And he said, coach, you got to come to this meet. I'm going to win a race. So I go down to the pool, gun starts. I know nothing about aquatics or swimming at this point. He's winning the race, turns the corner. Everybody else catches him. His mother turned to me and she said, Bobby, can you imagine if Chad had two arms? See, that kid only had one arm. And I tell that story because when I tell it, everybody's thinking, okay, that's a great little story. He makes the swim team. But the power of that story is, is what I didn't tell you is he had to overcome even more challenges to get to where he went. That's what our industry is about. It's about finding the pain of people who need us and need things that they don't even know they need. And that's why as experts, we need to embrace that more, in my opinion, and not rely on okay, your pulse rate is 82.5. It's, you know, are you having a good day? How are your grandkids doing? How's Joey doing? Did he graduate from, from the, you know, Marine Corps, whatever, but, you know, getting yourself in a vulnerable position so your members feel that they can be vulnerable. That's the magic of, of in my opinion, the club experience that's missing when you just get to the other side of it. That story just gave me chills. And I feel like right now people are so caught up in this matrix of providing data to people and giving people access to all these data points and assessing their data. And it's really about creating those connections. Hey, listen, like I've taken data on myself where it's saying that I'm, you know, my wearables showing that I'm recovered, that I had a great night's sleep, but I feel horrible. And I just am not in a good mental space. And having that person to check in with you from a facility saying, Hey, how are you doing today? What's going on? How are you feeling? You know, like whether that be a trainer and an operator, whoever it is, I think that's, you know, that's the missing link. And that story was just you just like nailed it, right? That is our magic. And so Bobby, just to leave people on, on this final note, how can people connect with you or active entities if they want to learn more about heading into this medical world and some of the opportunities that you have in store for these clubs? Sure. And, and I will answer that first by saying that I've got team members that are far more engageable than I am. I've got an unbelievable team of experts. As I said, I mentioned some of our partners that are available for people as well. When you work with us, you work with our entire team. Activeentities.com. If you go to our website, you get to see a lot of what we do and what we've done. You can, you can call us on the phone. We'll always be available to take calls and hear about what's going on out there. You know, the phone rings sometimes for business, but it rings some time for information. And as I said, I've, I've just, I'm very lucky. I've got some great people on our team, some great partners and whoever does call, I'm sure we'll connect you with the right person who can do exactly what you're looking for. Thanks so much, Bobby. Thank you. This was a pleasure.
Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If it brought you value, please subscribe, review, and share the Business Side of Fitness podcast. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.